Holy shit, House Targaryen and House Stark. Rejoice, for Fanboy with an Opinion is coming. I am your King of the North, Eric, with episode 10 for April 24th. Today's episode, I'm going to be discussing my free week on the Marvel Unlimited app, comparing the Marvel Unlimited app with the DC Universe app, and reviewing the last two Flash episodes. More than complaining. So let's get started. First, let me talk about the Marvel Unlimited app. So those who don't know, it's an app that you can read comics, unlimited amount of comics. You pay like a monthly fee or a yearly fee, and you have access to all these comics. So you you can get a free trial, which is a, a week free trial, which is what I did. And I crammed in a lot of fucking reading in this one week. So one of the reasons why I wanted to do it was because there's a character that came out a few years ago. um, About a year ago, more like. Cosmic Ghost Rider. And this character had a lot of mystery behind it. And people were going cuckoo bananas about it because of how crazy the character was and... I knew a little bit about it, but I wanted to read about it. So Cosmic Ghost Rider is from a Thanos book. So Th- Thanos, Thanos has, has his own, had his own series. And in the middle of the series, we were introduced to Cosmic Ghost Rider. So the, ser- the, uh, the storyline is called Thanos Wins. And it takes place in number, issue number 13, issue 18. So this Thanos is a lot different than the movies. So in the comic books, Thanos is obsessed with death. He's obsessed with the the personification of death, which is obviously a woman. And he will do anything to get death's attention. So in recent years, he's kind of strayed away from that. He's more about power and just like, taking over the galaxy, the universe. But for a long time, he was in love with death. So he's a lot more brutal in the comics, and he's a lot more evil. He's a lot more uh, just bad. He really is not a good person in the comics. Not that he's a good person in the movies, but in the movies he kind of has, like, he's kind of forced to, like, take half of the population and some people could kind of see it as maybe not noble, but what he's doing isn't necessarily evil. Or in the comics, he just wants power and he wants to take over, and he's he's much more of a bad guy in the comics. So anyway, he's doing his thing, and he's um, Cosmic Ghost Rider comes out of nowhere and introduces himself to Thanos, and he says, "I got to take you with me." Because my boss wants to meet you. Thanos is like, no. So they fight. And Thanos recognizes that he's a ghost rider. But he, they fight and it's kind of at a standstill. He can't really hurt ghost rider. And so then ghost rider uses this weapon that Thanos cannot get out of. So ghost rider brings him to the future. And... Cosmic Ghost Rider's boss is none other than future Thanos. <gasps> so, the, it takes place in a few issues, and basically, future Thanos has 
completely wiped out the universe. He's killed all the superheroes. He's taken over. But in doing so, he's wiped out most of the population of the universe. Like, everyone's dead, pretty much. And he's alone with Cosmic Ghost Rider. And he needs President Thanos to help him with a bad guy. Well, he needs he needs to help he needs his help to kill somebody in the future. The one person you can't kill. Uh, so, we get a little backstory on Thanos on how he became ruler of everything and nothing at the same time. We get a backstory of Ghost Rider, Cosmic Ghost Rider. Now, Cosmic Ghost Rider again. This is the reason why I read the the series. People didn't know who he was. His story is that. He becomes Ghost Rider. When that doesn't fit his need, he then finds Galactus and becomes um, one of Galactus's, you know, one of his aides, one of his uh, heralds. So then he gets the power cosmic. So now he's got Ghost Rider power and basically like Silver Surfer power. And he's also kind of funny. Ghost Rider's kind of funny. He talks a lot, and he makes a lot of jokes. He doesn't take anything too seriously. And so in the middle of the storyline, like people were trying to figure out who it was. And the one theory was that it was Deadpool, because he was making jokes, cracking jokes, and that sort of thing. But it wasn't Deadpool. It turns out that Cosmic Ghost Rider is Frank Castle, also known as the Punisher. So... When the Punisher was in the fight with Thanos, with all the other heroes, and this this fight is supposed to take place like years in the future, so we're supposed to believe that a lot of the heroes are kind of old and run down, and then that's when Thanos takes his the opportunity to, to try to kill them all. So uh, Punisher's fighting, and he gets defeated, and he goes to hell for all his sins. And Mephisto, he makes a deal with one devil, as they say. And he becomes Ghost Rider. So then he comes back to Earth, but by that point all the heroes are dead. And he's looking for Thanos, and it takes him a long time. Like, there's supposed to be, like, an eternity. Thousands of years. And then he goes back for, to Mephisto to try to get more power, and Mephisto's dead. And Thanos has killed Mephisto. So then he searches the galaxy some more and he runs into Galactus. And Galactus is, has fought Thanos and has almost died. So Ghost Rider, Frank Castle, makes another deal with another devil and he gets this power cosmic, which makes him nearly indestructible at this point. So him and Galactus go looking for Thanos, they find Thanos. Thanos ends up killing Galactus. Meanwhile, Frank has become friends with with Galactus. So then Cosmic Ghost Rider fights Thanos, and they both realize they can't kill each other. So then he makes a third deal with the devil, and he becomes Thanos' right-hand man, becomes his servant, basically. So present Thanos reluctantly helps future Thanos and they like go at each other banter and like you're weak older Thanos because you can't defeat this one person and so they end up helping each other and of course older Thanos is still in love with death and he's done all this for death 
And death won't even give him a glance. He won't even look at him. And so he thinks that by killing this one person that he can never kill, Thanos, uh, excuse me, death will finally embrace him. So they defeat this person, uh, which I'm not going to spoil. That part I'm not going to spoil. And then let's just say the future Thanos doesn't get what he needs or wants. Cosmic Ghost Rider finally dies. And present Thanos comes back to the present. And he says to future Thanos, I'm not going to become you. And I'm going to change this. And then when he leaves, future Thanos' timeline pretty much gets erased. Because present Thanos has done something to change the future. But then the, the... Storyline ends, you don't know what it is. It was a good storyline. It really showed how ruthless Thanos was. Um, but at the same time, this whole thing of like, you can't kill me, I can kill you, but now I'm dead. Like, I don't really understand. It's almost like they pick and choose when these characters are indestructible. Same thing goes with Cosmic Ghost Rider. He's extremely powerful. He's like on par with Thanos, basically. But then he dies. And then this person that future Thanos can't kill, it's also like, he seems indestructible. Oops, I said he. But then he, die, he dies too. So it's just... It was good to show characterization of Thanos. And how badass he is, how terrible he is, how ruthless he is, how conniving he is, how manipulative he is. But this became... Um, a springboard for one of the on, like ongoing storylines, Affinity Gauntlet storylines. Doesn't matter. It like continued in a special, and then it was a springboard to or an annual, a Thanos annual, and a springboard to company wide crossover. So I didn't get that far into it, but I did find out what happened to Thanos that changed his future. And then this storyline became made Cosmic Ghost Rider so popular that he got his own series. And his series was fucking bonkers. Because in his series, he decides that he's going to change the future. He's going to change the future by kidnapping baby Thanos, Thanos and stopping him from being a mass murderer. First he wants to kill the baby, but then he takes the baby thinking he could make it, uh, make, him, make him into a better person. A problem I have with Cosmic uh, Ghost Rider is, so he's supposed to be Frank Castle. So obviously they chose somebody who you never thought in a million years who this person would be. I have a problem with this. So Frank Castle, the point, the reason why he has a different personality now, why he's joking, funny, is because when he becomes Ghost Rider, he travels the universe looking for Thanos, and it takes him thousands of years. And there's no one around. He is alone for thousands of years. And that makes him go crazy to the point where he goes insane. Now, the problem I have with that is if you're Frank Castle... And you have the personality where you barely talk. You're a loner. You have a real introverted personality. 
which is the way he's always been portrayed in the comics. If he were to go insane, why would he then have a completely different personality? Wouldn't his personality already be the same, but it would just be intensified? So then maybe he just like wouldn't speak at all, or maybe he'd become even more brutal than he was. Because Cosmic Ghost Rider enjoys the violence that he creates, and then he has to like change his mindset so he can then raise baby Thanos into a good person. But would you just like, maybe Punisher would enjoy what he did more so and become more brutal, but he wouldn't be jokey about it? If your personality, if you don't have a sense of humor, why is going insane then give you a sense of humor? That doesn't make sense to me. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying for me, it doesn't make sense that Punisher, the Punisher I know and love, would become a Deadpool-like character. Because that's essentially what he becomes. I just don't think that would happen. If you were already cracked in the head and you were a psychopath and your, your personality is quiet and reserved, why would you then switch? You would just become more quiet and more reserved. Anyway, the, his his own, his book was interesting, but I just wasn't into the character like everyone else was. Well, a lot of people are. It's an interesting concept, and it's an interesting idea, but I just feel like if you picked another character who was more closer to that Deadpool-esque, like if it was Spider-Man, like I would believe that would happen to Spider-Man. Because he's already that kind of personality. But his his book was good. It was interesting. Um, he takes baby Thanos. And he basically just realizes that he can't make Thanos into a good person. No matter what. And that's another thing that I don't understand. Is the whole timeline thing. Time travel is a very confusing thing. We're supposed to believe that in the actual Marvel Universe timeline. Thanos was supposed to kill everybody. And he was just supposed to be by himself. Wandering the cosmos with a cosmic ghost rider. An odd couple, if you will, in space. But then he steals the baby and he changes the timelines. I don't know. It's very confusing. Anyway, I read that. I was like, okay, this is good. And then after that, I started looking, like, what can I read? What else can I read on the Marvel app? And then I found uh, Daredevil. Actually, no, scratch that. I found uh, the Hulk. So there's a there's a newer book called The Immortal Hulk. And I think it's still ongoing. It started uh, last year. And this is another book that a lot of people were talking about. And a book that people were really interested in. And they were saying that it was like a horror. They had turned the Hulk into a horror uh, book. So I started reading it and I really enjoyed it. But I think by calling it a horror book does not give it enough credit because it's like part mystery part horror uh part science fiction it really change it's supposed to be more old school they took a lot of old school elements and then they added some more modern stuff the hulk when he's the hulk uh is a lot different than some of the other hulks that we've encountered all these stories, they, they all come from other stories. It's the problem with comics. It's like it used to be comics stories were self-contained. But now everything is 
continuation from something else. So basically, the Hulk was dead. Bruce Banner got Hawkeye to shoot him, and it killed him. But the Hulk wasn't gonna. The Hulk can't die. The Hulk doesn't want to die. So the Hulk brought Bruce Banner back. So basically, Bruce Banner is dead. But he's not because the Hulk brought him back. Confused? Sure, why not? So it's it's very similar to the old school Hulk stories and also the old Hulk TV show, whereas Bruce Banner is walking the earth. He's supposed to be dead, and only a few people know he's still alive. So there's that. And he knows that if people didn't know he was alive, that would be a problem. So he's roaming the earth, and he realizes that there are certain people who have tried to replicate his accident with gamma radiation, and then that's caused problems. So that's like a mystery, and he's following the clues and the theories and going across the U.S. while doing this. And at the same time, the Hulk comes out at night. Which was one of the, I think originally, when they created the Hulk, he only came out at night. And so the Hulk comes out at night, and the Hulk has his own personality. He's not brainless, all that sort of thing. And he's able to tell when someone's lying, and he's also able to see residue of gamma radiation. So like the first storyline was really interesting, because it was this town where a kid had died... And they said that any time you mourned the kid's death, they would get sick and they would die. Long story short, it turned out that the kid was irradiated with gamma radiation and he was still alive in the coffin. And he was irradiating so much gamma radiation that anyone who was near his plot or near his tombstone would get affected and then they would die of radiation poison. And so, hence, any time someone would come and mourn him, they would die. And I was like, oh, that's pretty clever. And so then it was one puzzle piece of a bigger puzzle. And so it's just like breadcrumbs for Banner. And Banner knows that, like, you know, Hulk is also interested in this mystery. And Hulk is obviously he's aggressive and he's, he's somewhat angry, but he's able to maintain his anger. Like I said, he's not brainless. Hulk. So it's very strange. It's like a, a newer Hulk. And uh, there's a reporter who's chasing him again, just like the Incredible Hulk TV show. So it has a really a lot of old school elements to it. And then there's this like being that is able to possess anyone who's been changed from data, gamma radiation. So this being is taunting Hulk because it's someone from Hulk's past. It's like one person that scares Hulk, that actually scares Hulk. So it was a really good, fascinating um, storyline and book. And then the last issue I read of that storyline was he fights the Avengers, uh, which, again, was very reminiscent to the older storylines when the Hulk wasn't really a good guy, wasn't really a bad guy, he was kind of just a menace, and he would go fuck shit up, and then sometimes the Avengers would be like, because the Hulk was actually one of their first, not really villains, but one of the reasons why they got together, 
as the Avengers. Art was good, writing was good. I really thought that was more interesting than the Cosmic Ghost Rider crap, which, you know, I didn't hate, but just was, the Hulk was just way more interesting. And then I started thinking, like, what else can I read? These were small stuff. There's just a few issues. And then I thought of Daredevil. A few years ago, Daredevil was written by Mark Wade, And Mark Wade is like a legend in comics. I mean, he's done a lot of different characters. He's written for Archie. He's written for a lot of different comics. He did Kingdom Come. He did The Flash for 10 years. He did a lot of stuff. So I was always interested in this Daredevil, but I never started with it. And once, if a series starts and you don't start with number one, it's kind of hard to catch, go back and catch it. And so that's what makes this Marvel app great. And the DC app is that you can go back to books that you wanted to read, but just never got a chance to. It's, it's almost like a roller coaster. Like once the roller coaster starts, it's almost impossible to catch up to it unless you buy back issues or if you go for the trade paperbacks. So anyway, this came out in 2011, and I read 37 issues in this volume, and then there was another volume that was another 21 issues, so I read a lot of issues in one week. There were two volumes because at the time, 2011 and 2015, Marvel was constantly rebooting their universe. So we're like, here's a new series. Oh, now that's ended. And here's another new series. Oh, that's ended. And it was almost like the second volume. And Mark Wade, he wrote all the issues. There were different artists. It's almost like the second volume, like they didn't wanted to go in a different direction. Maybe sales weren't doing very well. But they did that to a few books, even books that like did well. It would just be the same creative team, but then for some reason they just wanted to go back to number one again. So, like I said, there were multiple artists. Uh, let's see, there was Javier Rodriguez, Chris Samney, uh, Paolo, Paolo Rivera, sure I said that wrong. Marcus Martin, Martin. These were all really great artists, which brings me to one of my strongest points about this these series. This had one of the most consistently amazing artwork throughout this both volumes more than any any of the series I've I've read recently, probably within the past few years. I can think of a few books that consistently had good artists, but the problem is is there's always a filling issue. There's always a fill-in artist. There's always somebody who kind of breaks that tradition of like this consistently good art and then there's like one or two issues where it's like, eh, it's okay. But it wasn't like that with this. And that's very extremely rare. Even the fill-in artist, like Mike Allred, he's like a fucking legend in comics. They didn't have like Z-listers doing the fill-in comics. They had superstars, all superstars. And that's one of the reasons why... Another reason why I love this book is because... The writing. The writing. Wade's writing. I've had a love-hate relationship with Wade, but this is one of his best. Like, it was genius. This was exactly like... Binge-watching a TV show. And every time an episode ended... You couldn't wait to watch the next one. 
And that's what it was. Like, I'd read, I'd read uh, an issue, and just be like, I gotta read the next one. And then I'd usually read the next one. Gotta remember this Daredevil is a lot different than the TV show. So, basically, if you don't know Daredevil, he saved a, um, an old man from crossing the street who was, who was a blind old man. And there was a truck of radioactive waste, and it got into Daredevil's, Matt Murdock's face, his eyes. It made him blind. However, it gave him strength in his other senses, and he was able to, he's able to use this, this what he calls a, almost like a, 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 radio, like a radar sense, and it's a 360 degree radar sense, so he's able to tell what's in the room, who's in the room, using this radar sense, kind of similar to like the way bats use in a way, but as this book tells you, it wasn't the radioactivity that did it to him. It was some sort of like fluke. It's almost like Daredevil. Because there's always this debate. Like does Daredevil have powers? Is he someone like Spider-Man? Or is he someone else? Like was he. Spider-Man had an accident. And there was a radioactive spider. So was it the radioact- radioactive waste that gave him the powers? Or was it just a fluke that he got the powers? This kind of says it's both. This kind of makes it sound like there was different variables when he got into his accident. It all came together. And it was almost like a, a fluke in the sense of like getting hit by lightning. Like it could probably happen again, but it's very, very rare if it did. And just because he got hit with the radioactive waste doesn't mean that's what made his other senses so much more powerful. And his senses are powerful. He can, like, his, his taste, he can taste ingredients. And it's, that's one of the things that's great about this, this series is that it really delved deep into what he could do. And his powers are a curse as well as an as a, as a opposite of a curse. He is blind, but... His other senses and his radar sense, technically he can see, but in a different way. But at the, on the other hand, for instance, he hates hospitals. He hates the subway. He hates it when it rains. And there was one other place that he hated, the airport. And it's because so many things are happening at one time that it's very difficult for him to pinpoint a certain person or a certain sound or what have you. And it was almost made me feel like the library would probably be his most favorite place because it's so goddamn quiet most of the time. He could hear people's heartbeats. And so he's almost like a human lie detector because he's able to hear the difference in heartbeats. And he uses that a lot. He uses that. That's like his bread and butter. Like he uses that most of the time when talking to people. My problem with that is, is that sometimes the whole point of a lie is that you're, wor- you're bothered by the lie. But if you're someone like a sociopath who isn't bothered by lying, then that wouldn't work because their heartbeat would be the same no matter what they said. Anyway, but that's not that big of a deal. That's just observation. So it, if the story focuses a lot on, for instance, at the end of the first volume, 
he moves from New York to San Francisco, which he used to live in in the 70s. But, you know, well, our 70s. It's been a while since he's been in San Francisco. So in the beginning of the second volume, he's in San Francisco. And what's great about that is he knows New York very well, which is mentioned a lot in the series. He knows every flagpole. He knows every water tower. He knows everything. In San Francisco, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know where anything is. So it's really difficult in the beginning for him to get a grasp of moving around San Francisco. And this is a great line where he says, uh, I have to tell the city planner to make the buildings closer. Because in New York, the buildings are so close to each other. But in San Francisco, and like most cities, everything's more a little bit more stretched out. And in, in the beginning, he has somebody helping him, telling him, almost like an oracle, telling him where to go because he's not completely, he doesn't have his bearings down, which I thought was very interesting. And that would be a difference. This isn't realistic. You're a superhero and you go to a different city like you don't know where anything is. So there were a lot of those. It was also, uh, let me go back to why he's different than the show. The, Mur- the Matt Murdock Daredevil in the comic book is he takes a lot of guilt. He very, feels very guilty about the things that has happened in his life. And a lot of his significant others, the love interests, they've either died or they've left him or they've, one of them went crazy and now she's in a mental institution. So he feels very guilty about this and he was always a very brooding character. So he really was like when he was created a Batman ripoff. But in this series, he's washed away a lot of those feelings. Because again, like I said before, every series is connected to something else. Prior to this series, he was possessed by like a demon. And he did a lot of bad things when he was possessed. And one of the things he did was he killed Bullseye. So... In this new series, he's kind of washed away a lot of his guilt. And he wants to be a happy-go-lucky Matt Murdock. Which pretty much is most of the series. So he went from being a Batman ripoff to kind of like a Spider-Man ripoff. Because he makes a lot of jokes and stuff. Quips. But one thing about the Daredevil is he didn't really... He's never really had a large rogues gallery. You know, you have Kingpin, and you have Bullseye, and if you ask any normal, typical comic comic fan, those are the only two they could really name. So he doesn't really have any strong villains. And even the ones that he did, they were kind of like hokey and C-list villain. A lot of other writers have tried to revamp those characters to make them badass. That's not really what happens in this series. Instead... He goes up against people that you wouldn't expect him to go up against. Like Claw or Mole Man. And, oh, the, the, the Spot. He starts off with the Spot. The Spot is like a Z-list villain from Spider-Man. He basically can create holes. Interdimensional holes. So, you know, you put your hand through your hole and your hand ends up somewhere else. So he starts off with the spot, and the spot, again, is a crappy villain, but Mark Wade has made him kind of badass. And he ends up coming back, and fucking vicious, vicious, like he's made the whole, he, he, take, he took him 
as like a laughing stock, and he made him vicious. Like I'll, I don't want to give away too much, but he uses his whole dimensional power into being able to take somebody's head off their body because he's using that power, their technology to separate the head from the body, but the head is still alive. It's crazy. It is fucking crazy. And then you find out all these things that are happening to Daredevil. Someone's making him seem crazy. And so his friends start to believe that he's nuts. Like he's having a psychotic breakdown. Especially since his personality has changed abruptly. And then you find out everything that's been happening to him throughout the, most of the series has been orchestrated by this one villain that was always a cool villain, but they made him different. Mike Murray made him different. He made him like a, like a puppet master. Everything, it was brilliant. The whole series is brilliant, and the art is fucking beautiful. I want to put up some of the pictures on the Facebook or maybe uh, the Instagram, because all of the art... These guys, they, their panels were amazing. Their uh, angles were awesome. The, the layout of the pages. Sometimes it'd be like this one big picture with little boxes. Or sometimes it'd be these beautiful landscapes. It really was a, a really fun, really fun read. And then even the next volume, and then the end of the fucking volume, he ends up telling people he's... The whole thing is, he was outed by a newspaper when the, when the title began. And everyone thinks he's Daredevil. And he's like, I'm not Daredevil, I'm not Daredevil. No one believes him. At the end of the series, he's forced to come out and say, I am Matt Murdock. And because he does that, he loses his uh, license to practice law. So then he's forced to go to San Francisco, which he used to practice... And he's able to practice again in San Francisco. It's like a loophole thing. And, but the series starts with everyone knowing he's Daredevil. So even when he goes out in public, people want to take selfies with him. Because he's Daredevil. And he lives his life as Murdoch and everyone knowing he's Daredevil. Much like Captain America does or Tony Stark does. And it's just an interesting element. He has nothing to hide behind. He has no dual personality. And the whole reason why you have a secret identity is you could protect your friends and your family. And he doesn't feel like they need protecting anymore. So he's forced to live his life as Daredevil with everyone knowing. And then he stops wearing a mask. Like he just goes out in like this red suit. It's crazy. It, and then of course, that, there's pro, of course there's problems with him with his identity out. It was a great book. It really was a great book. After Mark Wade's uh, volume, it started over again. And this is the problem. You know, I just feel like when you have a creative team and they do their thing, Marvel tends to then, when that creative team is done, they go back to number one again with another new team. And everything that previous creative team did is this whitewashed. And you start from zero again. Or one in this case. Most of the Daredevil stories have been about him being a crime fighter. But the Mark Wade focused a lot on him being a lawyer. And a lot of his cases that he would take would 
have consequences and, and kind of like blossom into bigger problems. Who started with a little you know, court case or, or a law practice thing and then we would blossom into like a supervillain or some sort of conspiracy. And that was a lot of fun. More than just like wham bam and I beat up this costume guy and it was very intricate. His stories were very intricate and I feel like they just went back to I think he went to a different city, he changed his costume, he wasn't brooding anymore, he just let caution in the wind kind of thing. And that's another thing, is Daredevil, as great as his powers were, he went into a lot of situations where he underestimated his enemy. And he relies a lot on his powers, and the problem is lots of times his powers hinder him because like I said if he goes into a, a crowded place it's difficult for him and he hate one of the reasons why he hates the hospital is because it smells make him want to vomit because it's just his his senses are so much stronger than ours I just feel like they put a lot of nuance into his character and again it was one of the best definitely one of the best Daredevil storylines and then they just you know, once that's done, he brings him back to New York, brings him brings his costume back. He, they found a way to make his identity secret again. And then I kind of read, I read ahead. I kind of like wanted to learn how they did that. So I found out how they did that. It was kind of, kind of cheesy, but I guess you know, what could you do? There's just so much you can do with the character that's been around for fifty, sixty years, and. It's just back in the day, it was like, if you did something to a character, you gave them a, you know, for like Joker, Pam, Two-Face, Green Goblin, all these, these big villains that we know and love, they started off in one storyline with two creators, and then it was given to the next team, and the next team, and the next. They don't seem to do that anymore. You create a, a fucking villain, and once that creative team leaves, you never hear from that villain ever again. And that's not the way it used to be. And so, you know, for instance, like, Daredevil in this storyline, the villain, he was repurposed as an older villain. He changed. He evolved. Are they going to keep that evolution or are they going to bring him back to the way he used to be? I don't know. It's just that's why everything seems much more self-contained than it used to be. But anyway, yeah, that, that was the Daredevil. It was a great fucking volume... Three and volume four, I believe. Um, so then, let me talk about the difference between the Marvel Universe app and the uh, Marvel Unlimited app and the DC Universe app. So, let's break this down. The Marvel Universe app, Marvel Unlimited app, has been around for 10 years. They have about 25,000 digital comics. If you sign up on the website, you can get a $4.99 one month, and then it goes to $9.99 every month. If you sign up through the app, you don't get that $4.99 deal, but you do get a free week, and then you start with a $9.99 per month. Or you could do a $60 annual setup. And they also have a thing called uh, Marvel Annual Pass Plus. And that would cost you 
a month. It doesn't really give you much. It gives you some like percentage off of merchandise or maybe you'll get an exclusive patch and a pin. Whatever. Then DC Unlimited, they just recently added 10,000 plus comics to whatever else they they had originated with. I think they originally had like 20,000 issues of digital comics. I uh it's 7.99 a month and annually it's $75 a month. Uh annually, $75 a year. The problem I have with DC Universe is they've gotten better with their comics, but they were missing a lot of comics. And you know, you got to understand that DC has been doing comics longer than Marvel has. At least they've been doing characters that are still recognizable longer than Marvel. I mean, Batman comics go all the way from the 40s. The same thing with Superman. So they've got a lot more um, back issues or issues than Marvel does catalog, back catalog. They have a more back catalog than Marvel does. The problem is is that, you know, DC was starting with Batman number one from 1940. No one's going to read that shit. They're going to want to read the shit that they grew up with. Like, when I got that, um, started using the app, I wanted to read stuff when I was a kid. They're not going to read stuff from 1940s. It has no relevance. Unless you're reading the first issue of Robin and the first issue of Joker. But other than that, most of that shit doesn't have any relevance to today. So, and then technically this stuff in the 80s doesn't either, but at least it's more of a nostalgia thing. But then they added 10,000 plus whatever. That made a big difference because there was a lot of stuff that was missing, a lot of older Batman stuff, and that made a big difference. The problem is it took them, in my opinion, it took them too long because this app has been around for close to a year. And now you're adding all this important stuff. Marvel is adding new comics every week. I mean, that's how I've been able to read these series that have been around for less than a year. Which is fine, but like, you know, DC needed to catch up because they had a lot of stuff missing. When The Dark Knight Returns wasn't even on the fucking app. Like... You're celebrating Batman's 80th year and you don't even have the Dark Knight Returns on there? Whatever. But now they do. Uh, I also want to talk about the difference of uh, quality of the app itself. Marvel, I feel like when you don't have a very strong Wi-Fi single, 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 uh, you can't really read the comics that well. And lots of times you'll finish an issue and it will just like kind of go into this thing where you can't get out of it. You can't do anything unless you just get out of the app and go back into it. Similar thing with DC, but I think DC has a stronger signal. Uh, but there have been some updates, so maybe that's changed it a little bit. And also adding a lot of those issues probably doesn't help. I would have to say, if you're strictly going by comics, that... I would have to see, say DC is probably the better one uh, because $7.99 a month, it's not that bad compared to $9.99 a month with Marvel. But also DC Universe has movies and TV shows, uh, original programming. Marvel Unlimited just has comics. I mean, that's great, but $10 a month is kind of a lot to just, for, just for comics. I say do the free week. 
and then wait like a year and do it again. I think DC is probably the better the better deal. Finally, I wanted to talk about the last two episodes of The Flash. Last week it was called Godspeed, and this week it was called Snowpack. The reason why I wanted to talk about it was I had briefly mentioned that I was excited about the Godspeed, well, semi-excited about the Godspeed episode, because they were going to talk about a speedster villain that I really enjoyed from the comic books. He's only been around a few years. He was a cop that was friends with Barry, and he decided that justice was better served if you murder and he became Godspeed he became so fast that he was able to be in two places at the same time uh yeah they ruined the character the episode was basically a fill-in to talk about Nora Barry's daughter from the future and how she came to the past and it was revealed that she has been communicating with the villain Reverse Flash, Thawne, who is in the future in prison, awaiting death sentence. And so he's basically been Nora's mentor. And Nora has kept that secret from the Flash, Team Flash, because she knew it would upset Barry, which it did, to the point where he threw her in a jail cell that is in Star Labs, which is their headquarters. And it really upset me because it's like he was being holier than now. Nora didn't mean anything maliciously. She's just a dumb kid. So we get to see her future, and it's really kind of an obnoxious episode because Godspeed is the speedster, the first speedster that she encounters in the future. There's no speedsters at that point in the future. She's a CSI, just like her daddy. She doesn't know that her dad is the Flash because her mother's been keeping that from her. Also, her, her mother has been implanted something inside of Nora, so Nora's powers don't work. So Nora has this best friend, and this, this woman, and she keeps referring to her as her best friend. It's like, you're my best friend. And I'm thinking, okay, when is she going to die? And sure enough, she dies. It's like such a cliche. It's, it's, uh, I equated it to like a movie, Vietnam movie where someone's like, hey, Jenkins, what are you going to do after the war? Well, I'm going to marry my sweet, no, high school sweetheart, Blam, right in the head, dead. That's pretty much what it is. Like if you ever hear a character say, you're the only thing I have left in the world, one of those two characters is going to die. So Godspeed comes to the scene and is... Violent for no reason, kills the friend for no reason, and then Nora realizes she has powers and she's mad at her mom, and she ends up going to Fawn, who eventually helps her, and then that's how she goes back. She goes back into the past to meet her dad when she finds out that her dad is the Flash because she's obsessed with the Flash anyway, and so now Barry's like, they hear this story. The whole team hears the story. And you can see there's some... They feel bad for her. Sympathy. Some sympathy. But Barry has no sympathy. He's like, she's lied to us. I can't trust her. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, give me a fucking break. You know, all this is because Thawne helped her. And he's got a hard-on for Thawne. And then it's like, Thawne killed Barry's mom. But, like, 
Nora didn't know that, but the the real nail in the coffin was she kept going back to Thon and trying to get, or I should say, going forward to Thon, going back to the future, back to the future, to Thon to get more advice, and that really pissed off Barry because that was like a real kick in the nuts because. You've been going back and lying to them about it. I understand about being upset, but he's just like overly upset. This is your daughter. And it causes a huge fight with, with uh, Iris. I always forget her name. And well, it's, it's not really a fight per se, but, you know, he just gets annoyed. And then he decides, he doesn't ask, he doesn't tell anyone. He decides... To bring her back into the future and be like, don't you come back. And if you try to use the speed force, I'll know. What about all the times that she went into the future to talk to, to Thon and you didn't know? Very inconsistent, just like the show. show. The show should be called The Flash. The most inconsistent man alive. Um, he can forgive other people, but he can't forgive his own daughter. So that's the end of the episode of Godspeed. And Godspeed was wasted. Completely wasted. I know they don't want to go back to doing evil speedsters. But this guy is a great character. And, you know, I remember the series that he was introduced. The series hadn't even come out yet. And people were already talking about Godspeed. So he was a big deal for a short time. And I just it pisses me off that they didn't utilize him well. Just like they most of the characters that fucking show. So then we come to this week's episode, yesterday's episode, called Snowpack, and it kind of delves, it kind of deals with Nora, and this is where Iris and Barry fight, and I did like the fight because it was a realistic couple fight, and a lot of other things were coming out, like the fact that Barry didn't tell anyone he was doing this, sending Nora back to the future. And not even letting Iris say goodbye, which was really mean, foul. So that's almost like a... And then his... uh, Iris saying that Barry makes his decisions based on emotion. And which is true, because he doesn't think things through. Somebody who's supposed to be so smart. He just goes with emotion and... He was making the decision on everyone else's behalf. And that's like a real fight. And that's something that couples definitely fight about. So then, meanwhile, Killer Frost, Caitlin, who, who's living with Killer Frost inside of her, like another personality. Her father, the whole thing with her father was kind of mentioned in the beginning of the season... And now 20 episodes later, we're talking about it again for some reason. It's all filler. And she has a bad relationship with her mother. And her father is Icicle, another dual personality. inside. Oh, who cares? This is just filler. And then Cicada, the female Cicada, they're calling her Cicada too. Yeah, real imaginative there. Female Cicada comes and... You know, earlier I had said that killing Cicada, I thought was a good idea. But the more I thought about it, it's pretty much a cop-out. It's like you've dealt with this one villain for so long, and now you're going to change things so late in the season? 
it just seems like a cop out. And and now they're doing it again, double, because Nora in the future was trying to help get uh, Thawne's help by bringing her, uh, trying to find a way to come back to the present without Barry knowing, because now Barry can feel the speed force, of, allegedly. He's never before, but I guess he can now. Most inconsistent man in the world. And he's like, oh, there's, I created my own speed force, but it's a negative speed force, so basically you have to like use negative feelings to create the speed force to go back in time. And Nora's like, I gotta do what I gotta do. I have to talk to my dad. She's kind of in stalker mode at this point, because if somebody doesn't want to talk to you, they don't want to talk to you. Like, if you're gonna go in the past, I have to talk to my dad. No, you don't have to do anything, because he doesn't want to speak to you. Let things cool down, and then they'll find a way to contact you. But the problem with Nora is she's too irresponsible and too immature. How the fuck did she become a CSI? Like, I know you can be a successful person and still be kind of immature, but it doesn't sound like she listens to anything. Like, how is she able to, like, finish college, get an associate, and then a bachelor's or whatever the fuck she had to get? How the fuck does she do that when she doesn't listen to a goddamn person? So she does her own thing. She uses a negative force. And of course, it sounds like she's going to be evil now. You spent this whole fucking season with this woman enamored with the Flash and the present and all this shit. Now all of a sudden, she's going to turn her back on everything and be like, You don't love me anymore. I'm evil. Just like that. And then uh, Iris went into the future to try to stop Nora. To tell her, she tried to tell Nora, look, I don't agree with your dad. But, and she was like, ah, she, he doesn't love me anymore. And then, you know, when you tell somebody, he basically did the equivalent of telling a kid to go to your room. He was like, go into the future and never, don't come out. You're in timeout. It doesn't mean they don't love them anymore. It's so fucking, it's so aggravating. It's aggravating. So then she went and now she looks like she might be evil. And then Nora got to see her relationship with Thawne. And she thinks that Thawne is manipulating Nora. However, also cares about her. Okay? So, that's where we are. And it just is very aggravating. Because it's like, you set up this villain. He's dead. Now you're setting up a female version. But that don't matter. Because Nora's angry. And now she's going to be evil. And she's going to fucking team up with other evil women. It's like, I can't wait till the show's over. Season. And it was just recently announced that Black Lightning was probably going to end after this next season. What the fuck? There's a lot more problems in the Arrowverse than Black Lightning. In fact, Black Lightning's the best show in that goddamn awful universe. It's not that bad. It's got problems. But Blind Lightning is definitely the best. How dare you fucking end that show? How, how about you fix Flash? I'm surprised. I'm telling you, they're going to cancel Flash within the next two seasons. Maybe even one. Mark my words. Because it has not been doing well. And a lot of the storytelling has just gone downhill. Alright. That will do it for another episode. Don't forget, if you have any questions or comments, you can contact me at the Gamerish email address. 
gamers537 at gmail.com. Also join the Gamer-ish group on Facebook. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Fanboy with an Opinion. Thank you for listening. And until next time, I have been a fanboy. And this has been my opinion.